0: This man we talked about the other week, the man that was healed by the pool of Bethesda, he had an opportunity to testify. Been there 38 years, waiting for a stirring of the water. And his testimony was like, hey, I've been here 38 years, ain't nobody ain't nobody come by and help me. Just about the time, I, I can't move, I'm, I, I'm not able to get there, because every time I try to get there, somebody always gets in front of me. And then comes a man, just not by chance, but by the purpose and sovereignty of God. Not just any man, the son of man, the son of God. The whole purpose of the book of John is to show us that Jesus is the son of God. There's only one, not many sons, one son in the person of Jesus Christ. He comes to the very place where there are invalids and paralytics and blind and lame people. And when I was reading that a couple weeks ago, I thought about us. We are the paralytic, the lame, the blind, and unable to walk. That's us. And if you're saved today and God has saved you, then you are just like that blind man. Out of all the people in this world, Jesus at a point in your life came by your way. And said, Come, follow me. Didn't have to, but he did. Now, what's our response if he does that? We are to say, Lord, follow you. Wherever you go, that's where I go, wherever you lead, that's where I'll wherever you want me to do, that's what I'm gonna do. You say, obey, I will obey. I will obey, I will trust, I will do whatever you want me to do. Amen. That's I should be our response, but sometimes our response is like the man that was healed. He wasn't concerned about his, yeah, he got his physical body healed, but there's no indication that he ever came to a point of knowledge and say, I recognize that Jesus is my Savior. He healed me. I want him to be my Savior. None whatsoever. All he said was, oh, he came back around to the Pharisees and Sadducees and the, the Jews and said, I know his name now. I didn't know his name a couple of days ago, but time is back, I found out what his name is. His name is Jesus. What? Jesus. Yeah, that's his name. And there you go, because of that. Verse 16 says, this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus. For what reason? Why would you persecute a guy that is doing good? Well, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. That's why. They held to the Sabbath day, didn't realize that the Sabbath was made for man. All right. I want to read. The, I, I I was going to do this last week, but I didn't do it. But I want to read you a, a little thing about the Hebrew Sabbath. It says to the simple, to the simple command rest. And we're going to go to Genesis chapter two, verses one through three. But it says the Pharisees added a long list of prohibitions. Not only did they take what the word of God said, but the Jewish people added much more to what the Sabbath was. Now, it says, in just case uh, they overlooked something, they established 39 categories of forbidden activities. All right, here we go carrying, C A R R Y I N G, carrying anything, burning, extinguishing, finishing, writing, erasing, cooking, washing, sewing, tearing, knotting, untying, shaping, Plowing, planting, reaping, harvesting, threshing, winnowing, selective, selecting, sifting, grinding, kneading, combing, spinning, dyeing, chain stitching, warping, weaving, unraveling, building, demolishing, trapping, shearing, slaughtering, skinning, tanning, smoothing, and marking, and some other stuff. If not, that was not enough. That's what they added to what God said in Genesis chapter 2. I just want to read you what Genesis chapter 2 says. Genesis chapter 2. God had created everything. Then comes the seventh day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished. God had completed what he wanted to do. It says... Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them, and on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed, better yet the word is sanctified, set apart. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Catch what he says. On the Sabbath day, which for the Jews was a Saturday. That's the Sabbath is on a Saturday. Saturday is not Sunday, the Sabbath is Saturday. From Friday, sundown to Saturday. Sunday is their day of Sabbath. We New Testament saints, we don't adhere to the Sabbath. We adhere to because Jesus got up on the first day of the week. We call it the Lord's Day. Now, catch what I mean, you gotta see this. Because what they're going to do in John chapter 5 is they're going to accuse Jesus that he was doing work of healing on the Sabbath. But in verse 17, it says, Jesus answered them, my father is working unto now, and I am working. What does he mean? Okay, back to Genesis chapter 2. God creates. It says he finished the work he had done, and he rested on the seventh day. Now, What they took, they misinterpreted. God has never, ever ceased from working on the Sabbath. It said he finished what he had done as far as creation. Catch what he said down in verse 3. Make it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. And you say, well, 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 it says he rested. That means rested. he rested from his work. you got to define what work is. All the things I read you about that the Jews took, and even what some of us think is, is, is considered work, God has never rested. Do you know why I know God never rests on the Sabbath? Because if God simply took the day off and rested like we would say rested and not do any work at all, we would not be here today. For in the word of God, it talks about that God is the ruler of this entire universe. If God rested and did nothing on the Sabbath, the worlds would collide. The universe would be in chaos. Oxygen, the planets would be spinning out of control. We on earth would have all kind of chaos if God simply rested and did nothing on the Sabbath. The fact that he works works in the lives of all of us, we are here today because God did not rest. So the Jews took it and went to the far extreme. Say, well, wait a minute. We're not allowed to do it. We have taken what God said in his word in Genesis chapter 2 and, and, and verse 1 through 3. God rested, which means no work whatsoever. Listen, even in our culture today, there are some jobs, some things that demand that somebody do something. If you are in a car accident or you get ready to have a heart attack in the next few moments, you don't want the hospital and you don't want your doctor if there are Christians, to take the Sabbath or the Lord's Day off. Somewhere, somebody needs to be at that hospital so that when you get there, they can take care of you. Amen? Now, admittedly, we do a lot of things that on the Lord's Day, and even on the, for those of, in terms of setting aside and making it separate, because what God does say is he set aside that day, the Sabbath day. He sanctified it. He set it apart so that man would really understand to rest from his labor. Basically, God says, I took six days to do all I did to create the universe. You and I have six days to do all that we need to do. And on, the, Really, on, for the Jewish people on the Sabbath. But for us, the Lord's Day ought to be a day that we take off and give back to the Lord. We don't do that. We cram everything into the seven days and then pick it up again on the next Monday and start all over again. But there should be a point in our point, if we're growing and maturing in Christ, there ought to come a point where we say, you know what? I really need to ask the Lord to help me to set the Lord's day aside for him. That would mean some of the things that we enjoy doing, we may not necessarily want to do in light of we're giving it to the Lord. We're setting it apart. Is there any, is some of these activities that we do, is there anything intrinsically wrong with it? Not necessarily. But if you're saying you're going to give it to the Lord and you're going to set it, set this one day apart, you've got six days to do all the craziness that we need to do. And you're saying, we're saying to ourselves, we can't take one day and give it back to God. There's a problem there. Somebody says, well, you know what? I don't have time the other six days of the week. Sunday's my only time of doing it. Well, then you're probably too busy. We have time to do a lot of things if we really schedule and budget our time. I would hate to look at, uh, look at myself, and I'd probably say if we look at yourself, how much time we actually waste on frivolous activities. Starting this week, keep a log of how many hours you spend watching television and, and, and catalog what you are watching. Amen? Say, okay, I get up in the morning, I usually turn on TV, I watch the news, ABC, CBS, NBC, whatever. And then start, wa- watch the shows that we l- like to watch. And if you don't watch them, you can catalog the ones you DVR. <laughs> you got to put that in there. We got technology now. So if we don't watch it when it comes on regularly, we put it on DVR. And, uh, and what I was saying is, a lot of the things that we do, honestly and truly, if we really weigh it, we waste a lot of time. And some of the stuff that we really, I mean, hey, I, I confess my own sin. I like watching Steve Harvey. In the eternal scheme of life, is there any intrinsic, internal value in watching him? Not necessarily. I just think he's crazy Something. He's, he's a good crazy. I like to watch his manner. He, he, he has some, sometimes he has some pretty good advice. So I like, you know, Amen. Now, some other stuff I don't get into. I've watched commercials. I see this stuff. I go, how's this show lasting? You know? I, I, I have not, and I will not watch Supergirl. I don't even get that. I don't even know why that made it. How did that even get on, this, on the screen of life? But that's just something. So, and it, it may last. I don't know. All the stuff that we watch. The Sabbath day. The Lord's day. Lord, help me to make this day your special day. There was a time in our history that Sunday was a special day. There's a time in our history that you had certain clothes back in the old days, brother, that some of you know, that you called Sunday-to-go meeting clothes. You only wore them on Sunday. A suit, tie, your shoes, your special dress. And then, Lord willing, like on Easter time, you would go shopping and get that special Easter outfit. And then, you know, Christmas time, you know, you dressed, you had your red, and you had the... Those were, those were, those, that was part of who we were. I was talking to pastor this week. Pastor Randolph, we talked about, talked about an hour and something, almost two hour and a half. And uh, was telling, he was telling me some stuff about what was going on in his church. I said, you got, we got the same thing, man, same problem. I said, he said, how did we, he said, I was reading an article in the book about uh, such and such, and the guy was saying there was a, I said, yeah, he's right. There was a time. But we got sophisticated that it was not an issue to have church at nine, Sunday school at nine and morning worship at ten and Sunday evening service at six o'clock. It was automatic. But well, we got comfortable. We we are we're, we're people about convenience now. That's what we you know, we we we, we basically that's what Pastor Razor said to me. I said, I got the same thing, man. It's about convenience. I said, if I, I said I could give you an example right off the bat, people would just go berserk. I'm not going to say it now because it's not the right time to say it, but there's something I've really been praying about and considering, but I know that when I bring this up, it's going to be like, oh, Pastor, why? Are you serious? It's just so easy to do it, blah, 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 and then we don't have to convenience. Our salvation is not about convenience. It's about service, sanctifying, setting apart. I like what Jesus says here. They said, hey, you know what? They started persecuting him because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. What did he do? He healed. Just to give you an example, you can look this up for yourself. In, John, in Luke chapter 4, verses 31 through 37, Jesus on the Sabbath day healed a demoniac. The guy possessed with demons, Jesus comes by, heals the guy. Then we got right here in John chapter 5, the man at the pool of Bethesda. In Matthew chapter 12, the Him and the disciples are walking along, they're hungry. So what do they do? They pick some grain. Oh, there's some grain over here. We can eat that. But the, the religious people got upset because they did it on the Sabbath. And then in Matthew chapter 12, 9 through 14, Jesus heals a man with a withered hand. And again, The Jews, those that were the religious folks, those that were by the letter of the law and all that other stuff, they wanted to kill and persecute Jesus for he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But in John chapter five verse seventeen, Jesus says this: He says, "Let me, let me, let me, let me help you all out." He says, "My Father." But Jesus answered them, "What's he answering?" There's no question that's been given. But the text says Jesus has answered them. He's answered them in light of what Matthew, Mark, and Luke talk about other occasions that the Jewish people were coming up to Jesus. And John just summarizes it. Here's the answer. Here's the response that Jesus says. My father is working until now, and I am working. In other words, just what I said. God is always working. And, And notice what he says. My father is working until now. And I am working. He didn't say our father is working. But he said, my father, personal pronoun, flags went up. Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Not only did you heal this guy on the Sabbath, but now you are saying that you and God are the same? Uh, now you don't went too far, Jesus. See, it's one thing because he healed this one man, but now, and the, the issue was he healed one man at the pool of Bethesda. They were afraid that others might become involved. But now he's went a step further, and now he's equating and saying he is equal to God. That was a no-no, and he's right. My Father, God is his Father. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Same in essence, co-equal, co-eternal, co they all there. You can't have, and Jesus is going to, later on in the book, we're going to find out, you can't have one without the other. The Son submits to the Father. The Holy Spirit submits to the Son. And yet they all three work together. For Jesus said, if you have the Son, you have the Father. And if you have the Father, you have the Holy Spirit. You can't take out and compartmentalize who God is. That's why when I say as a believer in Christ, you cannot say, okay, here I am here and devoid yourself of what the Holy Spirit says is working in your life. Because the moment you're saved, we believe the Bible teaches that the moment you're saved, you receive the Holy Spirit of God. And it's the Holy Spirit that energizes and allows you and I to come to a saving faith of Christ. And he is the enabler to help us live the Christian life. He says, my father is working until now, and I am working. One writer says, makes an interesting point. He says, if you look at the miracles Jesus performed, God has the grains in the field to make bread. takes a process. takes a certain amount of time. But yet, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And he, on one occasion, didn't have to wait a long time. He just made bread right there. He took three loaves and two fishes and multiplied it to feed over 5,000 people. He didn't have to wait for it to grow. Because he is God, he multiplied it right there on the spot. God may take four, five, six, eight months to get the grain to our Farmers can harvest it. But Jesus, in his own power, because he's equal with God, can take that grain and make bread just like that. He's God. That's why you can say God is working until now, and I am working. What my father may take in a process of time, I can do instantaneously. Why? Because I'm God. God may elect to heal somebody and take a long while of process to get there. But Jesus, if he elects to do it, can heal this man at the pool of Bethesda. By the command of his voice, pick up your bed, take up your bed, walk, and move on down the road. He had not to wait for God to do a miraculous work in the sense of taking some time. Jesus just spoke, and it happened. The same God that spoke and took eternity to do something, God in Christ, Jesus as God, could speak and do it in an instant. And that's why he says, I am working as the Father is working. My Father is working until now, and I am working. The both works are being done by the same God. Now, you know, when you start talking stuff like this, people get upset. They wanted to kill Jesus. They were not happy. Somebody says, I, I just don't believe people want to kill Jesus. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. People are still trying to kill Jesus today. Take him out. Take Get rid of him. We don't want any... Any semblance of, of who Christ is, we're trying to make him less of God. We're trying to make him equal to Jesus is a Jesus is a beautiful person. Jesus is Jesus is love. Jesus is is, 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 is he just wants to come alongside you and just, and just rock you as a baby and, and just treat you uh, some of that, yeah, yeah. But the other side of who he is. His love demands his justice. His love demands his condemnation. His love demands his, his wrathful indignation to man. Somebody said, how do you balance that out? For God so loved the world. Yes, he loved us not because if he had not loved us, what faced us was condemnation and hell. That's what his love is. It wasn't, he was like, I just love man. I'm going to come down there and, and, and do this. No, he understood that if he had not done that, hell was our eternal His love said, I love man enough that I'm going to redeem, buy back man. Because my father is sitting in heaven and he's ready to take the eraser of life and just rub, erase man out of the picture. But my love is, ho, whoa, father. If you allow me to go down in the form of a servant. And pay for man's sin. And man by faith believes in what I did on the cross. If you allow me to do that. Will you hold your judgment. Of condemnation. And eternal damnation. On man. The father said to the son. Go down. Redeem man. You pay the price that man cannot pay for himself. And. The fact that you are willing to give your life, willing to be that sacrificial lamb, that your blood will cover man's sin. So that now when I, look at, when I look at Sheila, or I look at Jim, or I look at Tony, or I look at whoever, if they know me, Jesus, they have an advocate with the Father. You can't go to God and plead your own case because your case is death, hell. But Jesus pleads the case for you. Oh, time out, Father. You need to listen to me. Sheila, Jim, Tony, know me. I died for each one of them. And my blood covers their sin. And because of what you said in your word that. Nothing can cover sin but the shed blood of a perfect lamb. I am that perfect lamb. So that when you see Sheila, Jim, and Tony, what you see is my blood covering their sin. They of themselves don't deserve anything but your righteous judgment. Let the good news. This is the gospel. That's why you ought to be shouting sometimes when you think about what God did for you. The fact that now the Father says, whoa, okay, he knows you. You said you died for him. Praise be to God. Now you get the inheritance of what Christ gets. What, what, what makes you what, what is so cute and nice about you and I that we should even be allowed to get to heaven? What did you and I do this week that was a merit point to God? That God said, Wake up this morning. Somebody hmm? help me out. Come on, tell me, what did you do this past week? That is a a little brownie point to God to say, Lord, I did this. Surely, I deserve another day. Surely, I deserve another blessing. What did you do? Or are you only here because you understand? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. I think it was Wednesday evening or Wednesday night or Thursday or Saturday. Yeah, I did say a couple of things I probably shouldn't have said. Some words came out that, yeah, yeah. I thought about somebody the other day, and it really wasn't good. Yeah, yeah. That guy sitting next to me. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You know, we talked about gossiping on Wednesday night. How many of us had to be in a situation right after we had Wednesday night Bible study? Thursday, Friday, Saturday, maybe this morning. Are we gossiping? No, we're not gossiping. We're just sharing the truth. (laughs) (laughs) How long did it take for us to... See, the key of all this, of our Christian faith is to live and live out and apply and be obedient. It's one thing to know we're not the gossip. It's one thing to know that we ought to be forgiving. It's one thing that we ought to be unified. But how do you do that in a world and with people that are everything else but... Yeah, we can talk about great talk, but the doing is the whole key. It's a job. Thank you, brother. It's a job. Jesus says, listen, listen, listen. I am doing the works of my father. And that's why the Jews were seeking. Catch what it says here. That's why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. The more he did, the more they just said, We're going to get this guy, we're going to kill him, we're going to kill him, we're going to kill him dead. He is a thorn in our flesh. He is wrecking havoc on what we have established. we got to get rid of him. They purposed all the more to get him. John 7, 19, verses 19, 25, talks about they were ready to kill Jesus. John chapter 8, 37 and 59. There he did. They picked up stones. He said it, he did it, and they said, "We're going to kill that man. Couldn't throw the stone. God said, it's not time. When it's time, you'll be able to do to him. But until then, you can't hurt him. I have a protective hedge around him. Many times the Jews were, Jesus was right there, and they're about ready to grab on him, and he was in a crowd, and he just simply, just simply sat in the, where's Jesus? Who just saw he was just, Where's he at? How did he do it? It was not his time yet. But the verse says, the more he was, he was doing, the more they were seeking to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father. Making himself equal with God. You know what? The more you live and try to do what the Lord wants you to do, the more persecution you come under. People say they want the truth. No, they don't want the truth. Not the truth of the word of God, they don't. Say, give us the word of God. Be careful. When remember the Israelites wanted wanted God to manifest Himself. Let us hear. You don't want to, okay. Do you really want to hear the voice of God? Be content that He's left on record the Word. That is his voice. That's how he communicates to us. We don't need to hear the audible voice of God. Because when you do, you will fall and submit wholly to him. And contrary to what many people believe, when you come to the house of God and hear the word of God, if the man of God is doing right by the word of God, that's God speaking you got to say, it's not not Byron's word, it's not William Randolph's word, it's God's word. And if it's God's word, then I and you only have one thing to do, be obedient. Say, Lord, you know what, I sat here, I listened to this, and I find out that I am just no different than some of the people we're talking about. I have put on, 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 on the Lord's Day stipulations that really I ought not to be putting on. It's, it, it's the obedience of the heart. Should you not dress a certain, well, whether you wear a suit or not? That's not the issue. It's where your heart is. Now, if you want to come, and I mean, we can come approach God any other way we want to. Let's, let's just be honest with ourselves. On certain occasions, we dress up based on what the occasion's for. I'm going to go to a, a dinner, a nice banquet, whatever. Most people dress up. I'm getting ready to go. There was a day that people, when they used to travel on airplanes, dressed up. Not dressed down, dressed up. Now you go on a flight on a plane and everybody, anything and everything is wide open. You know, sweatsuits, shorts and short shorts and bikinis and whatever. You'd be like, oh, they don't do all that. Just take a look sometimes when you're getting ready to fly. You just go, wow, you know. People used to wear a, a nice Suit or clothes and to funerals. No, anymore. You see some folks. And if that's all you have, that's one thing. But typically you would dress up. People don't do that anymore. People used not to wear hats in church or in a public building. Now everybody wears hats in churches and in public buildings. It's not about that. It's about where your heart is. God said he sanctified and set the Lord the Sabbath day apart. My question to all of us, are you and I willing to set apart the Lord's day that he might be glorified? What are you and I willing to give up on the Lord's day? That is an indication that we are willing to sacrifice that for the Lord. I'm not going to answer the question for you. You answer that for yourself. Amen? Amen. So do you and I want to kill Jesus, or do we want to say, Lord, we believe that you are the Son of God. You did a great work, and people are willing to kill you just because you healed on the Sabbath. Father, we thank you that you were able to stand in a world that was totally willing and ready to kill you. You answered their question. And in the next few verses from 19 all the way towards the end of the chapters, you're going to mark out exactly who you are in light of you and your father's relationship. We thank you that we once were the ones that you came and called us out of darkness and placed us into the marvelous light. Your word says, you hath he quickened. And made alive who once was dead in sin. And we confess before you, we were dead. Didn't know right from wrong. Didn't understand anything about God. Honestly and truly, we weren't even seeking you. And yet you called us. On the road to holiness, righteousness, and sanctification, and glorification. Thank you for every man, one boy, and girl that's here. Our prayer is that if... First some reason, somebody has been coming and really does not know you. Well, Lord, we want to see them saved, secure, and know you in a real way. Bless us now. Thank you for salvation in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.